Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time. We're in lockdown once again. We're all uh, we're all in vision, we're all in our bedrooms, I think, although Dick is in a, a different room. He's his study, I think he said he was in. Uh, no books behind him. But uh, I'm Lee Edwards. Thank you very much for listening. And, and here is Dickie in his study. Yes, good morning, Lee. Nice to speak to you. It's, it's actually the spare room. It, yeah, good, good job you can't see any further around because there's a lot of clothes hung up in here. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure you <laughs> want to see that. <laughs> and we've also got Rob as well, who's uh, looked like he's just got out of bed. Absolutely. Now, I got out of bed a couple of hours ago, but I was busy doing something else and forgot. Um, shamefully. <laughs> Shamefully. I'm in the kitchen, by the way, not the bedroom. There you go. And we've also got Chris Pratt. He looks, uh, is it? he's perfectly envisioned, isn't he? We can all see him and uh, he's sat there and uh, looking out over the, the hills of Derbyshire, I think, are you, Chris? Absolutely. Beautiful view. Beautiful day today. Was meant to be the first day of my cricket season today, guys, as well. So a little bit of sympathy, please. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, Chris, you'd have been out for a duck, mate. <laughs> well, one man who knows who is kicking his heels at home and he's frustrated as well is barrow manager Ian Everton we've got him on the line hello Ian good morning everybody how are we doing good yeah we're really well and uh, good thanks most of all how, how are you doing how are you coping with the lockdown I mean you must be really frustrated especially with the position barrow we're in at the minute yeah, look it's, I think it's frustrating for everybody this this lockdown isn't ideal but it's needs must with, with what's happening with the virus and people that are losing their lives. Football football terms, it's just the anxiety of not knowing what's going to happen, really. Yeah. We're obviously in a fantastic position. We've earned that, but um, until we have some sort of resolution and we know what's happening, you know, you're, you're thinking about the ifs, buts and maybes. How's the homeschooling going, Ian, first of all? Yeah, they're teaching me really well, the kids. They're doing well. <laughs> um, no, it's... Um, yeah, it's it's good. It's great because obviously, like, there's a lot of travelling involved with with football management, and it's you know, if if you want to give it a good crack, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and I don't really get this chance and opportunity to spend this much time with my my family, my wife's working at home, and and my children. So it, it's great that we're we're having this time together and making the most out of it. I was going to say that's one thing I've heard from a few managers is because it's so it's such an intense job, you don't really see your families as much, and that must be a good thing as well to kind of see your kids growing up as well and spending time with your wife and looking after the kids while she works during the day. Yeah, it's great. Again, um, being Barrow's manager and living in Chesterfield, it's there's a lot of travelling involved. Obviously, we train in Manchester, so it's not too bad on that front. But, you know, home and away, we're normally overnight um, every Saturday. So, you know, I'm, I'm spending a length of time away from home. And like I said, having this, having this period at home is really... You know, give me some time with the family, teaching the kids, spending time with them, playing in the garden and, and let my missus crack on with her work. Excellent. Well, in terms of the vote that was made this week, the, the National League Clubs voted. Almost 90% of re- responses returned it uh, a clear, it returned it evident as a clear majority of the clubs all in favour of cancelling the season. Uh, that's from the National League, National League North and National League South divisions. So, as it stands currently, the playoffs aren't uh, off off the table. And the EFL, they've said this week that their position is unchanged and they said their priority is to complete the season. Uh, however, if they don't finish the season, they're likely not to relegate Stevenage, but they will upset one club for the National League. And you'll be hoping that's you, won't it, Ian? Definitely. I don't see why it shouldn't be. I mean, as yeah. I said, we've played, we've played 37 games. Some have played 39 in our league and... 
we've shown ourselves over a period of time to be the best team. I think we've been top for five months. Um, we're top of the league, comfortably top. So there's no reason why that shouldn't be us if, if that's the case. I mean, would you be in favour of sort of, if devoted to say, Barrow go up as champions, would you be in favour as um, having a little mini playoff behind you if the EFL do carry on and um, just sort of say, well, we'll, we'll promote a second team as well via the playoffs and then that way it's a bit fairer? Well, from what I understand, the EFL do want to complete or they're going to come up with a resolution. From what I understand, null and void isn't an option for the EFL or Premier League. And rightly so, I must say. Um, we are, and this is where it, it, it kind of comes down to the point of the National League now is, is more or less professional. The amount of money that's being spent, you know, the, the media coverage, TV coverage, um, the club squads, you know, the way they, they spend money on players. It's a professional league. So what, what do you want to be? If you want to be a professional league and a professional environment, then you should have winners and losers. It, it's that simple, you know. And I think if they ended up voiding, um, I think it, you know, it, it smacks of being, no disrespect to others, but a part-time semi-professional division. Yeah, and I know you said the irony of it all is, is I think Barrow got voted out of the league back in the 70s, and the irony is that you could actually get voted back into the Football League this summer. Yeah, that is it is strange. You know, it, this week's been uh, tough in many ways. It's been very, you know, bittersweet once the league was announced that there won't be any more fixtures in terms of league matches. You know, we we had to congratulate the players on what's been a fantastic season. We've, we've finished top and nobody can take that away from us no matter what. But also, you know, today especially, we that was the day we were hoping in front of a home crowd against Woking we'd be, you know, having a guard of honour, lifting the trophy. We firmly believe we'd have got the job done. Um, so, yeah, we're going to miss out on that. Um, but as I said, it, it is what it is and hopefully we can get the right result and, and end up being in the Football League. Ian, a uh, question from me. First of all, before the question, actually, yeah, can... <laughs> I hope it doesn't feel hollow at all. It's on merit. The league has finished. That has been decided. Congratulations on finishing top of the pack when the when the season ended, first of all. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's and, been, a, it's uh, been a monumental effort from everyone. Yeah, it's been, it's been huge. It's been huge. Do we almost have two different situations um, here uh, in that um, there's what should be done and what's got to be done consistently um, throughout the three national leagues. Um, and then is there the slightly separate situation in the fact that the EFL is one team light at the moment? Um, and does that, does that kind of almost give you a second way that, uh, that you could get up to the EFL? Yeah, good point. Um, on the first bit, I do agree that I think the National League should should be all done as one. Now, there's slight complications with that. One is that the two leagues are chalk and cheese in terms of professionalism. Um, the, the North and South are still very much part-time leagues. As I said before, the National League is, is professional. Uh, it's full-time. And, and yeah... Also, you've got the fact that the lower leagues below the North and South have avoided, which means there'll be no relegations. So, you know, in my in my view, and it is my view, that there should be winners and losers. You know, but that's what life in general is about, is, is rewarding success and, you know, not rewarding underperformance and, and failure. 
And we're not talking about having 30, 20 or even 15 games left. We're talking about seven in some so, so in some cases. So you are, you know, you are where you are right now and you are where you deserve to be. So, you know, that's my view. The issue is, and there is an issue, that everybody has an agenda. You know, when you go into club voting, everybody has their own agenda. My my thoughts are the ones in the middle of the road, which it won't affect either way. Um, you know, put themselves in our position. Put themselves in a playoff position. You know, would you be wanting teams to void when you can't, it doesn't really affect you either way, but surely you want to reward success. It's that selfish view, in my opinion, of, oh, it doesn't really affect us, so we're not bothered, so we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll just void it. Um, you know, we need to have and stick together as a league. We want our clubs. Our club, our league is a fantastic league, a, a magnificent division, and it's a it's improved no end over the you know recent years. So why would we not want our clubs to go into the football league and, and try to hand and see people out of the national league have success in the football league? Yeah, it's a good point you've made, Ian, because obviously they've fought for years for two up, two down, haven't they? And have you spoken to other managers like Simon Weaver and, and Darren Sal and Neil Adley, who at the time of the season stopping might have felt they were able to chip away at you? I mean, I presume they're keen for the season to carry on, even if it's in a playoff form now. Well, yeah, obviously, um, you know, I haven't spoken to any of those guys. Um, I've spoken to Luke Garrard at, at Boreham Wood. Um, and, and yeah, I've spoken to Older Shots manager, Danny. Look, it's, uh, it, they, they obviously wanted the season to continue, to continue because they would back themselves to do what they can. Now, I think if you ask each manager, maybe not so much Harrogate because they were the closest opposition to us, but I think if you asked all the others, they would genuinely say, and they've said it to me face to face, that they thought we would win the league and they thought that we were the best team. Now, Notch County can say, you know, we were on a fantastic run of form and we're only seven off from with, and even though Barrow have got a game in hand, you know, that's they've only got eight to play. That's four or five games they've got a game on us and us losing most of them, which we've only lost two, two games since September. Is that likely? Probably not. Um, look, I... I, I like I said, and you've made a great point, but the National League have fought ever so hard to get two up, two down. Um, and why would you want to sacrifice that? Yes, it's not ideal. Yes, everybody would have liked to have finished the season, of course. But we shouldn't sacrifice that um, just for for people having you know personal agendas. We have to see the bigger picture here, and the bigger picture is for the National League to keep developing keep getting better every single year and that involves being close and tied in with the EFL. We want our clubs to go into the EFL regardless of Barrow's position and be successful. You know, and I'd like to think if I was sat here say last season in, in ninth or tenth place where we finished, I'd have the same views. You know, people might find that difficult to understand, but it's the truth. You know, I I do believe in life in general but you should reward success. There's obviously no completely fair way that's going to suit everybody in. I think that's one thing everybody would agree on. Um, the whole points per game thing's quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, I guess null and void really is the only um, outcome that, that, that Barrow potentially lose out. And then, and then you may still get that invite um, because of the place missing in the EFL. But points per game is really interesting. I, there's not much precedent in past history but we're obsessed with stats these days, aren't we? And, uh, um, you know, a number of leagues are now going down that route. I know just locally, the Cambridgeshire County League, where I live, has ended its season like that. And there's uh, 
uh, one side, um, Needingworth United, they were in Division 4B. They were in fourth place, but they'd only lost once all season. And when the games in hand that they'd uh, got left were given points per game because they'd had a couple of good cut runs, they would, they've been crowned champions. So um, we're, we're in an unprecedented time in terms of, uh, you know, this kind of thing as well, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you have to kind of look at other other walks of life and other sports with this. You know, cricket sometimes can't always be finished on the field. So what do they do? They go to like a Duckworth-Lewis method, like a stat-based method, what you're talking about. The same with, you know, government have spoke at length about exam results, etc. You know, if you can't sit your exams, we're going to look at what you've done over a period of time and come up with your best grade from that. Like you said, these are unprecedented times and you have to come up with solutions that that are going to suit some and not others, and that's the fact. But what I will say is you can only go off fact, and the facts are that after 37, 38, 39 games in some cases, you are where you are, you know, and you've had ample opportunity to not be where you are, and and, and that's the bottom line, and, and that's the truth. You know, that might hurt some, and, it, you know, people like Fylde, might say, oh, well, there's, there's eight, nine games go for us. And we, we fancied our chances of winning seven or eight of them. Well, hang on a minute. You've had 37, 38 games to win seven or eight of them. You know, that, that's my view. You know, again, it's not going to be everybody's, but I, I do I do believe you are where you are right now. Ian, just just building on what, you, what you've what you been saying there, do you, do you think the decision should have gone out to the clubs or do you think this is a decision that should have been taken by the uh, by the National League without going out to the clubs? Again, it's difficult. I do think, again, football in general has lacked leadership uh, over this period. No one's really come out and grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and said, here we are, this is it, here's the clarity, this is what we're thinking about, this is what we're discussing on a daily basis. You know, people, clubs, managers, chairmen, fans want that clarity and and, and to know what's happening behind the scenes. The same with the government, you know, about this exit strategy, etc., and lockdown, how you release that. People need to know. We need that trust. We need to be given that trust so we can have these debates and, and speak about it and come up with the best solution for everybody. The National League is in a difficult position. They're in a difficult position because I think they're very scared of legal challenges. Now, you know, if they end up making this decision themselves and getting sued by, I don't know, by Fylde or by us or or by Moss County or whoever it might be, that could really damage the division uh, moving forward. So I think they've had to take legal advice on what the best way is, which, you know, can cause the least amount of destruction and, you know, kind of separate themselves away from the legal challenge that might come. Obviously, and you joined, um, you joined Barrow at a time when I think there were... You know, they were running quite a tight ship and you did really, really well uh, to finish ninth. They just avoided relegation the season before. I know you're a winner, but going into this season in, in your wildest dreams, did you expect yourself to be top or did you at least be thinking, well, we'll be in the playoffs or pushing for the playoffs? Uh, I saw signs um, definitely after November last season that we were improving and improving fast. I think I'll, I'll make a point later on with what I'm about to say, but... Um, that gave me a lot of hope. Um, obviously, I'm a young manager. That was my first year in charge, my first year in the job. 
Um, so I was learning all the time as well. I had to learn about, you know, I've never never been in the National League, never seen the National League before. So I was learning about which is the best way to win. Obviously, I have this philosophy of, of trying to play attractive, expansive, attacking football. Um, and how can I get that across and still be able to win games? Um, I learned last season what we needed to recruit. Um, for instance, Scott Quigley was someone we targeted very early. We did our recruitment very early in May. Uh, and we got the players and we wanted. Now, the start of the season didn't go too well, but the performances were excellent. Um, we were, were dominating games, but but not being good enough in both boxes. And then all of a sudden we clicked into gear, and and that was it. We took off. You know, I, I genuinely thought we'd be in the playoffs this season before the season started. But after seeing, you know, the first ten, eleven games of the season, I did think we had a real chance. Yeah, because you had. Um, I know there's a few away games where you you taken the lead and then didn't win them. I know there was the Wrexham game. I saw you at Stockport County where you had a better side for the majority of that. And maybe, was it a bit naivety at the start of the season? Because you, you had a young side, didn't you, on the whole? Yeah, we had a, a young side. Um, also, we had to tweak formation-wise. We were we started off 4-3-3. Uh, as you said, we were dominating possession. Um, I think we had a crazy start where the first 12 away games of the season, we were leading at half-time. Um and yeah, we were just making silly mistakes, really, dominating football matches, but making silly mistakes. So we decided to go to then three at the back, like a three-four-one-two, which gave us that extra centre half on the pitch. We're not the biggest side, biggest of sides, so it, it helps us with set pieces, but also, you know, gives us that more of a stable base through the centre of the pitch. And ever since we changed to that, I changed to that the season before as well. Our, our stats are frightening with with that formation, really. Um, and this isn't a flash in the pan. I said this to the players, and you know I haven't got the stats to hand, but I'd, I'd happily share them with you at another time. But I think from from November last year, the season before, we've picked up the most points of any national league club. So it's been over a period of time. Um, it's not just been this season. There were signs last season, and you know we're we're improving fast. And as you said, we're a young team, and we're still improving now. Ian, I think that um, from our previous conversations and previous interviews I've heard, and I thought that was excellent, by the way, your uh, gaffer tapes interview with Dave Anderson. Um, I think we know from that that the turning point in the season for you was that come from behind win um, at Aldershot when you hadn't won in six or seven. Um, Thinking of the other extremes, what was the lowest point for you this season and uh, what was perhaps your most proudest or most memorable moment? Lowest point, I would say, was probably woking away. Um, we, you know, we had had that dodgy start where we were playing really well and and, and scoring goals but not picking up points. Uh, we went there and we, we took the lead. Um, then they hit us back. They went ahead 2-1. We then get it back with three minutes to go at 2-2 and then they go up the other end and score with a, a bad mistake from our left back at the time on the day. And I, I just thought to myself at the time there, this, you know, what have we got to do to win football matches? We're, we're playing ever so well. Everybody's saying what a good team we are, but we're, we're just not winning. And then that's when I went away and thought long and hard about what, what I needed to do and what I needed to do to make us win and help us. And that came about the change in formation. The best moment, there's a lot, but, um, you know, you'd have to say the Notts County 3-0 away from home. I think Notts 
sometimes you know, Notts County are a fantastic football club with an amazing fan base, um, great stadium, you know, massive club for this division, and kind of their supporters and everyone else kind of belittle Barrow. It's it's little old Barrow. We'll, we'll, we'll roll these over. These can't be very good. And then to turn up and completely dominate and, and win the game three 0 It could have easily been five or six. I bet um, you. Uh, I thought it was a real. Sorry, sorry, I, was I say, thought I it was a real team, point. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I'll shut yeah. up. Go on. No, yeah, no, it's okay. I just, you know, I just think that was a point where it made our fans really stand up and, and take notice of what I was saying that we were a really good team and we could be, we could be challenging. And I think the rest of the league started to believe it as well. Um, that's when the media hype started coming. They started to take a long look at what we're doing and, and how we're doing it, and it kind of, you know, set us on the journey we're at today. I want to talk to, want to talk to you about mentality. I've been watching the National League at close quarters for, for, for quite a few years now, and uh, the boys are probably fed up with me harping on about it. But for me, I think there are an awful lot of very efficient professional footballers um, who can control a ball and, 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 and put the ball in the net and put a, a de- defence spinning pass, etc. But the mentality of those players seems to be way the most important factor. Um, you've probably heard other managers in those pre and post team talks talking about how good certain players or certain vibes were in training, but actually transferring it onto the pitch in front of 2,000 fans is what really matters, isn't it? For me, it's probably the biggest part of football. Um, now, it's understated. People will talk about technique, um, and individual talent, etc. But I think uh, mentality and team spirit is everything. And it's not just with managers, leaders. It, it comes down to them making your players believe in themselves, making them understand the importance of having that confidence and self-belief, um, making them realise that this is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week industry. You have to live and breathe football. You have to put the right fuel in your body. And it's all down to mentality. It's all about decisions. You know, what decisions you make when you're not in front of me, when you're at home with your wife and you, you sat down and she's got a cup of tea and a, a big pack of biscuits. What are you going to do? You know, that, that's another mental decision. And then you've got the club in general. You've got to get the fans to engage and buy into your beliefs, get them to understand that if you can get everybody believing and, and pushing in the right direction, it can have magical effects. And I think I learned that most at Blackpool with, with that team. We weren't the most talented bunch, but we had a great mentality and a great leader at the head of it, Ian Holloway. You know, I've taken that away and, and developed it and adapted it to my own style. And I think the players will tell you that the amount of belief and confidence that I instill in them is massive for them. And I'm relentless with it. I'm, I'm demanding, you know, every day is a chance to improve every day. You know, I don't let them, you know, footballers in general, if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And they're always looking to to make excuses. You have to take all the excuses out of football. Give them no excuses. Give them no chances and opportunities to to fail. And just keep keep being relentless with that. And the messages of, of believing in yourselves, be self-confident, believe you're the best. Because unless you believe you're the best, you're not going to be able to achieve it. Winners and champions, they start behaving like winners and champions long before they start to win games and, and, and be champions. And they're the facts of football. 
Ian, looking forward to what you're doing now. You touched a bit on what you were doing. You're spending uh, time with your family that you don't normally get to do. I saw a tweet today from um, Curtis Woodhouse, who's a manager of a couple of steps down of Gainsborough Trinity, and he, he put a tweet out asking other managers, he's saying, look, I just don't know what to do at the moment. Um, I don't know what I should be doing. Has anyone got any ideas on what I should be doing? I mean, how difficult is it to plan for next season? Uh, because you don't know what division you, you, you'll be in. What I will say is I've also seen a lot of League Two football this season as well, and I firmly believe that yourselves and probably the first, the top five or six in the in the National League will still fare quite well in that division. But what can you do at the moment? So yeah, that, that's a good question and a good point. Look, you know, I'm I'm very ambitious and I'm a young, hungry manager. Those of you that do know me and have met me will will, will know that. Um, I'm using this as an opportunity to improve. Now, that means improve my team and improve myself as well. Um, I've read three or four books on leadership, mentality, um, on different sports, you know, leaders and coaches in different sports, what I can gain and add to myself from, from what, they're, what they're saying and what they've achieved in their careers. I've watched probably 15 of our games, you know, going over what I think we need to do better, how we can improve. And then I'm also looking at, at recruitment for next season. You know, um, what what we can recruit if we're in the AFL, what we can recruit in the National League, who might be available, who might not be. Now that's difficult because contracts and leagues haven't been finished. So we, we don't know, but we have to try and prepare as best you can. I'm also working on what, it's a bit of a document, just to waffle on a bit, a bit of a document called Commitment to Excellence, which... I'm trying to instill for Barrow from under eight all the way through to to the first team about what I expect of everybody, individuals, how coaches should be coaching our younger players, you know, how our staff at the football club should, should carry themselves, how they should answer the stuff like that. And it's it's really deep and it's really lengthy, but it's it's something that I, I want me to have as a legacy when I leave Barrow and eventually I will leave whether I move on or, or get sacked. Um Managers don't stick around forever, but I want to leave that behind. That we've 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 got this commitment to excellence from everybody. That you know, when you work for Barrow or people that are from outside of Barrow know you're playing against Barrow or, or speaking about Barrow, they they know that they are respectful and they act professionally and they have this certain commitment to excellence that they believe in and, and they carry through. Just a couple of things to add on that, then, Ian. In terms of, like you say, the other sports. I mean, is is there people from other sports that you, you kind of know and you've gone to watch their training sessions? And, and how can you adapt that into what into what you do, really? Uh, not so much been to see uh, or know. It's more. I'm an avid sports fan as it is, especially American sports. I love American football. Um, so yeah, I, I've been reading a book from a guy called Bill Walsh, who was in charge of the San Francisco 49ers for, for eight years. Um, he basically transformed their whole organization, uh, and it was basically down to mentality and leadership, and it was about how he did it. I've also read a book called Will It, Mo- Will it Make the Boat Go Faster, which is about the, the year 2000 uh, men's Olympic eight-birth eight team. Uh, they were unfancied, but again, it, it was all about how they won gold, uh, how they went about the the process every single day, um, and you know everything they did in training or everything they did with each other. It was all you know. Will it make the boat go faster? Will it make us win on a Saturday? Um, and yeah, it, it's interesting stuff, and it's great for 
to managers that are into that kind of thing, I, I recommend to go out there and, and read and educate yourselves because you're always learning as a manager. I've learned that already in my two years. And, you know, there's always ways to improve. And you, we have to keep moving with the times. Football changes every year. So you've, you've got to try and keep on top of things and, and make yourself the best you can. And finally, before we bring Dickie in, just uh, obviously the home form must be important for you. Say about getting everything instilled in the club. I mean, it's a tough, tough place to go, especially in the depths of winter. And I suppose you use that to your advantage as well, don't you? Again, that that, that comes down to to the mentality. You know, believe it or not, when it's windy and blowing a gale and freezing in Barrow, it doesn't suit the way we play either. Um, in fact, it's probably worse for us mm. than it is for most teams. However, that's a mindset, isn't it? You know, you've got to, if the minute the players start moaning about the whinging about the weather and saying, oh, it's windy out there, can we pass the ball the way we want to play? Can we play our normal game? You know, you've kind of lost it already. You've got to turn it into a positive and say, we're used to playing in these conditions. We love these conditions. We can cope with it. These can't. The, the, the teams from the South don't like coming up here. And you have to turn it into a positive. And again, it's the mental side of the game where you've, you've got to give the players the right messages and make them have that belief. Yeah, Southern Softies, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I had a chat yesterday with um, Rob Edwards, who I know is a former teammate of yours at Blackpool. And um, and, and I asked him about uh, you know what he saw perhaps in you. I think it was 10 years ago now, that Blackpool team that, that won promotion to the Premier League. Um, and obviously, I know that was a big influence. I think Ian Holloway has been a big influence on your way of thinking as well. Um, I think Rob said one thing he said about you is clearly that you were a leader and a strong character and you weren't afraid to voice your opinions. So he wasn't surprised to see you going to the man, into management. But I think when he... He came to see you recently, and I think perhaps the level of detail that you've just described there, that all of this reading and, and, and you know, it's really interesting about preparing that sort of that document for almost sort of like the, the Barrow way. Um, it, you know, that's a level of detail that that is, you know, meticulous in its planning. I mean, um, but you've, you said about this being a 24-7 thing, and yet that's clearly something that you, you know, trying to instill into everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, as I said, uh, football's an amazing sport and, you know, it, and it's made for fans. And the transformation in Barrow as a place over the two years is my biggest achievement. You know, for everything that's gone on the football field, it's been fantastic, yes. But when I first went up to Barrow two years ago, you know, people weren't very welcoming. Um, there's no smiles on the faces. It, you know, it, it can be a really difficult place to go. No one seems to be having a good time. Everyone's miserable. It's very much a glass half full kind of place. They were angry at the world. Um, and then all of a sudden, you put a football club on the pitch that are doing things properly, doing things professionally, acting the right way, reconnecting with the supporters, having success on the pitch. And it's completely transformed. You know, people are delighted. People are happy. People are proud of the football team. Again, you've got a missed generation of fans returning. You've got eight, nine, ten-year-olds wearing Barrow shirts again instead of Man United, Liverpool. And that for us is, is our biggest achievement. And again, when I do leave, and eventually I will, um, I want that legacy to be left behind. As I said, that commitment to excellence, you know, what Barrow stands for. And hopefully whoever, you know, takes over from me in, in future years or from the board of directors, they'll, they'll have that to, to follow. Um, 
and that Barrow will have a reputation of being a fantastic football team, but most importantly, being good people, professional mm. people that act in the right way. Interesting you say about the relationship with the fans, because it's funny, I was, I was thinking about um, our conversation this morning, and, it, and it, it rang a bell with me. I think it was perhaps the trip to uh, Dover, which was a, a Tuesday night away game. And I think that before the fans set off, that you'd um, you'd arrange for bacon sandwiches to be there waiting for them at the bus before they went. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Look, again, it's it's only a small part to say thank you for everything that they do for us. We've we've had some difficult journeys. We had a Saturday Tuesday tour here in Dagenham away where fans followed in the numbers and we had obviously the Dover away game and to say thank you I gave them bacon sandwiches then our bus broke down so we had to travel back with the supporters on the bus um, yeah it, look it, they're a massive part of what we do um, they're extremely proud of us and we're proud of them so our connection is there again and when you like I said earlier and what I was saying when you build that trust and connection with the fan base and everyone starts pulling in the right direction I call it a perfect storm all of a sudden you can have real success on the pitch and I think that's shown this season. Sure. I mean, and, and that kind of takes me back uh, to to maybe that, that Blackpool team that we've spoken about again. And I know that it was a, a big influence, but and, and again, when I spoke to Rob yesterday, he said that just everything seemed to come together. Um, you know, it was the right, the right blend of players that, that the players you had were almost kind of naturally leaders on the field so that, you know, it wasn't that they were all looking to one or two players, that everybody took responsibility and everybody, um, you know, knew what their roles were and that under Ian Holloway, he particularly spoke about his style and said that, you know, <laughs> probably as a, as a defender, I'm not sure how, it, how well it went down with you, but his style was more, um, you know, if, look, we're going to concede goals, but what we're going to do is we're going to try and outscore the opposition. And, you know, if we concede, we take the ball back on the centre spot and we attack. And, and um, you know, how much of a an influence has that been on you? Yeah, huge. Yeah. Again, going back to the mental side of the game, I mean, look, as a defender, it sounds crazy saying it, but I used to love it. I used to love it. <laughs> I used to concede loads of goals, loads of goals. But do you know what? It was fantastic to play in. I was a big lad and a big centre-half, but I could play. You know, I was technical. I was brought up by some very good coaches. Steve Round had me for 11 years at Derby as a kid, who's now assistant manager at Arsenal, Steve McLaren. Coaches like that, you know, growing up, you know, taught me the technical side of the game. So I've always been a fan of that. Now, yeah, like I said, when you're, you're defending 1v1 and 2v2 and you're playing in the Premier League against the likes of Didier Drogba in his prime and, and Van Persie, people are like, it can be... It's tough, very tough, as tough as it gets, but it was so enjoyable. And it's that mentality of, you know, if we concede, we just keep going and we are relentless with what we do. And that's what I instill in my team. I say to the lads all the time that, you know, we don't we don't stop for anybody. And if we run out of time, we run out of time. But we never lose. We only run out of time. And that's it. We just keep trying and we keep trying and we keep trying. And that's that's what we do. We are, like I said, we're relentless in what we do. We don't change for anybody. We believe in ourselves and believe in our style. And that's got us where we are today. And and, and I suppose one other thing that I, I thought of this morning, that, that clearly one thing that does happen when you have success, as, as you have had with Barry this season, is it, it does alert um, uh, other clubs to, you know, they, they start to take interest in you as a manager. And, and 
uh, I know it's it's probably maybe only press speculation, but clearly there was some interest linking you with, I think, um, Chesterfield job and a Blackpool job this year. How how is that something that you handle? You know, when when your name's being linked with other clubs, but when you're you're doing the job you're doing at Barrow. Uh, again, it's flattering. Um, you know, it's obviously with football when you have success, you're always going to have suitors that that want to take you. What I will say is the way that the, the, my board of directors, and at times, you know, my agent and myself have handled it. You know, not everything's got out in the press. There's been times where, you know, there's been league clubs sniffing and, and asking questions. Also, there was the filed thing where I got offered the filed job and and chose to turn it down. Um, it, the way we've carried ourselves and the way we've handled it has been excellent and we've protected the players and protected the, the supporters from it because we knew what the bigger picture was. You know, I've said all along that I wanted to finish the job at Barrow. I'd only just started and I, I really meant that. And hopefully, you know, we can get into the football league. Like you say, I, I feel that we can compete at that level and I think we can improve again. So that's a big plus for me. And then, you know, I'm trying my hand at, a higher division with Barrow, and that's what I wanted all along, really. Ian, I've got to ask, and is is that the reason that you did turn down the file job mainly because you felt you hadn't you had unfinished business at Barrow? Um, yeah, I mean, I turned down that job for a number of reasons. Um, I don't really, you know, want to go into too much detail, but the main reason was I love my job at Barrow. You know, I'm a very loyal guy, and Barrow gave me an opportunity. You know, I came straight out of retiring as a football player um, to go straight into that management job. And yet it was a huge risk for me and it was a huge risk for them. Um, but the way that they've, they've supported me and the way the town's responded to what I'm trying to do and, and the players and, and how we're improving and my staff, I love going to work every day with them. I just wanted to finish what we'd started and I could feel even at that time in October that we were really going to progress and we were really going to have a right go at it. And I wasn't really willing to sacrifice that for money at the time. You know, I'm a young man um, in, in management terms and, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to chase the money this early. I don't know if that sounds, you know, ruthless, but I think with success, money and finance will come. At the moment, I just want to concentrate on improving, concentrate on improving our team and making us better. And as I said, further down the line, you know, hopefully better better things will come along and, and better finances. But for now, the way the board have supported me, the way the town have supported me, it means so much to me. And that's what I want to do. I want to try and finish the job I started. Ian, just a final point uh, from myself. Um, I just, we should have, we should have touched on this at the start really, but it has to be said that when you came into Barrow, it was on the back of some big changes um, there was a bit of extra funding um, and the club had been told at that point that they got to run in a more sustainable way. Some of those that were on uh, kind of bigger budgets, if you like, um, left the club. You came in. And, and, and so thank you for joining us today. But thank you also for for bringing another level of professionalism to the National League, for putting out a side that plays football the right way, uh, for approaching everything on and off the pitch professionally for always being um, obliging and engaging when I've had to come and speak to you after you've beaten Aldershot yet again. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, all the very, very best. You know, if we don't speak again, if Barrow do get the call one way or the other, all the very best to you going forward, Ian. 
No, thanks, guys. I really appreciate all, all your support. And I think, as I said, it's been it's been amazing. I was very lucky as a, as a professional football player to play at the top level down to League Two. Um, I've never really got a chance to come and see the National League, but what I will say is I'm so impressed with with not only the, the level and performance of the players and the standard of the division, but the standard of the people that are in and around the division. Um, real football fans that you know I really enjoy that sometimes you lose sight of when you're at the top of the game. So you're the heart and soul of football, everybody that listens to this show and you guys, and it's great to see and you know, long may it continue. Thanks very much. I want to know how much you paid Rob to say that, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, isn't it? It's great. I love it. This is a message from the government and the NHS about how to protect yourself and others from coronavirus. Wash your hands more often than usual, for 20 seconds each time. Use soap and water or a hand sanitizer when you get home or arrive at work, when you blow your nose, sneeze or cough, and when you eat or handle food. For more information, go to nhs.uk forward slash coronavirus. Protect yourself and others. One other piece of news that's come out this week of the, the National League was in the north, wasn't it, Dickie? And, and Russ Penny, we've had on the show uh, two or three times. Now, he's, he's finally got the permanent job as Kidder Mr. Harry's manager. Yeah, um, Russ has been uh, confirmed as uh, as Harry's boss now, which um, uh, I think is quite a popular move, as far as I can tell, as a, as a former player. Um, you know, somebody who probably made his name in, in Northern League with them before moving on to, um, I think York was certainly one of his former clubs and then going into the Football League. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, we've, we've had him on, on the show before and I know that, um, you know, he's in your list of contacts and you'll drop him a text every now and again. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he goes in that role. I, uh, we just said about, expectation it could have to Harry has been a big thing in and you know handling that I guess but uh, yeah when when the National League North does finally resume then uh, yeah could have to Harry has their new man at the helm yeah yeah I like it I think it's a I think it's a good decision as Dickie was saying he's he's had the job <laughs> on on a very much part-time basis been landed on him a, a few times already and um, I think that continuity someone who knows the club someone who's passionate about the club um, someone who's got good contacts. I think it's I think it's good news, and I think um, you know Kidderminster are a big club, and I think that if they give him the time, if they give him the the space to build incrementally, which is often how you see these big clubs actually finally um, start to progress, I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I know the forums uh, they see it as a sensible decision, a bit of continuity rather than going from someone outside the club. And the big thing is he's. He's got Jimmy O'Connor as assistant manager, and they both know the area as well as the club, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and they need a team that's going to match the quality of the pies, eh, Dickie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't definitely can't knock the catering at Agborough, but um, it, it's sad to say that it's probably been one of the things that um, you'd look forward to more maybe than the football in, in the last couple of seasons. But, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll clearly be hoping that uh, they can raise their level of expectations to you know to that which which matches what you get in the pilot. Nice one. Well, Ian, um, thanks very much for joining us. No, thanks, guys. And um, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully we'll be back soon. Brilliant. Uh, cheers, Rob, Dickie, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Enjoyed it. All the best. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a follow on Twitter at NLFullTime or drop us an email, nlfulltime at gmail.com. Until then, like Ian says, stay safe 
uh, take care and stay indoors. See you all very soon.